Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Right, Miami indeed. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield with you here for your daily dose, and it is training camp day one. And with a podcast coming your way later this evening, recapping all the events of day one of training camp, I thought I'd throw in a bonus episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast and take your questions. We've got about 30 of them in the mailbag. We'll get to as many of those as we can here on the show. But first, real quick before that, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Linkfield NFL, a Dolphins training camp necessity for your timeline. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for the daily journal recapping all the events of training camp as well. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's jump right in here and talk about the first topic. The only topic I have other than your questions, I put a poll up on Twitter on Tuesday asking how many games do the Dolphins have to lose consecutively to open the 2019 season for you to begin rooting for losses with the interest of the number one draft pick in mind. And people said they would never root for losses. About 24% said that actually. And while I mostly get that and mostly agree with it, I do think that if this team was 2-13, and Heading into that Week 17 game up in Foxborough with a loss as the only thing standing between them and Tua Tungavailoa, then I think it makes sense to perhaps prefer a loss over a win that nobody's going to remember in six months after the fact anyway. But that's kind of where I come in on this. Don't root for losses unless the prize is within sight right there. But as the results from your votes, about 1,155 in total when I recorded this podcast, 9% of you said that one to two losses, the Ravens and Patriots at home would get you on the tank for two, a bandwagon. 39% of you said that three to four losses, the Ravens, the Patriots, and then the Cowboys on the road, the Chargers back at home. 39% said that an 0-4 start would have you on the tank for two, a bandwagon. And then five plus losses, all of those first four games, a bye week, and then a home game against Washington. And that would actually probably be the first game on the schedule the Dolphins have a chance to be favored in at home against Washington and a rookie quarterback. The Dolphins, or the vote on the poll there rather, was 28% of you said that that point was when Miami should be on the tank for Tua bandwagon. And of course, 24% said to never root for losses. So you guys have been heard, but not enough yet as we dive into the Twitter mailbag. And I'm going to answer as many of these questions as we can in the next 20 minutes or so, and then get you guys over to my timeline today, where I am most likely currently tweeting from Dolphins practice about the 2019 Miami Dolphins on the practice field for the first time. And check out the podcast again tonight as I recap day one of practice live from Miami. But with that, let's get back into the Twitter questions. And the first one, here comes in from JT Evans. He's at JT underscore Evans 97. What position battle are you most interested to watch live in person at Dolphins training camp? 
I think it has to be the quarterback, right? I mean, any other answer would be me trying to be a contrarian or a football snob, so to speak. But if I want to go off the quarterback position, JT, I'll say the cornerback and just the secondary position in general. How are they going to use Minka and Bobby McCain? Are they going to be interchangeable? Where does TJ McDonald fall in line in that secondary? I know it's not really a competition, but the depth behind those guys, because I think this Dolphins team has about five competent quality defensive backs that are proven in the league at this juncture. And beyond that, a bunch of unknown, unproven guys. And I want to see how it shakes out there. So probably just the secondary in total. Next question comes from Fins Up. He's at Fins Up Group on Twitter. What are some intriguing camp battles and players to watch for? What player do you think is going to come out of the woodworks and make the roster? I don't know if he would be coming out of the woodworks, but I'm a big fan of Terrell Hanks, the linebacker from New Mexico. He was a guy that probably should have been drafted on day three, but he ran a poor 40 time because of a foot injury, and that knocked him down for a guy that basically is a run-hit-cover linebacker. And I think the Dolphins got a steal there. I have him making the opening day roster, so he's my pick. I talked about the camp battles with cornerbacks and quarterbacks. I am curious to see what happens at the depth positions, like the number three tight end, the number three running back between Miles Gaskin and Mark Walton. There are so many camp battles to go over here, but again, quarterback, secondary, and a bunch of depth positions there as well. Next one here comes in from Will. He's at Will. He's at underscore Will Reeves underscore. I know the scheme isn't focused on individual players racking up sacks, but who leads the team this year? Does anybody crack eight sacks? I think the one guy who would be in best position to do that is Jerome Baker, just because of the scheme and the position they're going to put him in to blitz off the edge, to blitz those A-gaps, and try to get him into matchups that are favorable, where he doesn't have to win with a arsenal of pass rush moves to get by left tackles in the National Football League, who probably can block him out considering the fact that he is about 235 on his best day right now, even after he rocked up this offseason with a good training regimen. So Jerome Baker, I think, is probably on top of that list. My dark horse would be Andrew Van Ginkle in sub packages, finding a way to get after the quarterback that way. And then third on this list, and probably belongs second on this list, is the Dolphins' first-round draft pick, Christian Wilkins. He was brought here to rush the interior part of the of the pocket, and he does that so well that I wouldn't put it past him to excel from day number one. Next question here from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets on Twitter. When you're on a flight, do you go with the complimentary Cheez-Its, chips, pretzels, or Biscoff cookies? Bonus, have you ever ordered a meal on a plane? I ordered a meal on the way back from Hawaii because we flew right during dinner time and I had to get something in my belly. So I did do that once upon a time, but the food is always such a letdown. So you only do it in drastic measures. As far as the treat they bring you, I'm all about those Biscoff cookies because they're, I think, the best thing they offer. But most of the time, I usually find something in the terminal or in one of the gift shops, whatever, in the airport to bring on the plane with me. So I snack that way. But if it comes down to it, give me the Biscoff cookies. This next one comes in from Leighton Stoffer at Stoffer underscore Leighton. And it's a good thing you asked two questions because the first one asks about which camp battle I want to see most. But his other question is, do you think the recent signings are just going through the motions or do they have any substance? I think Tyler Patman has a chance to make the roster and be a guy they can rely on as depth on the outside because right now, if a body go, if somebody goes down on the secondary, whether it's outside corner or at safety, 
the Dolphins might not only be short in terms of having the talent, they might be short on having rosterable bodies at that position, especially at safety. And I think Tyler Patman at least gives you a guy who can go out and compete and not get embarrassed on Sunday. So I think that he's a guy to look at. I don't have much hopes for Will Holden or uh, Saeed Blacknell or David Rivers, but I think that Tyler Patman might have a chance to have a sticking power for 2019. One more here before the first break. This one comes from Y at iSweetheart on Twitter. Which rookie do you think will make an immediate impact? Christian Wilkins, Michael Dieter, Andrew Van Ginkle, Isaiah Prince, Chandler Cox, or Miles Gaskin? It has to be Christian Wilkins. I know that Michael Dieter has a great shot to play more snaps than any of these guys because on the offensive line, you don't come out of the game. You play 100% of the snaps if you are healthy and if you are effective. But I think that Christian Wilkins is by far, like so far and away, the best player on this list of players you just listed, this list of rookies. And given the state of the Dolphins' current defensive line with the lack of depth, if he can't find a way to get on the field and have an impact this year, that'll be very discouraging and disheartening going forward. So I think that by default, and the fact that he's a damn good football player, I'm going to go with Christian Wilkins. And we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and get to the rest of your Twitter questions in both segments number two and number three. But first, have you had any questions recently about your performance in the bedroom? Listen up, guys. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, on your flight, looking for the Mile High Club or waiting back to the hotel, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked on. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B L U E chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. In a year that might be short on celebrations for this football team, today certainly falls into that category as a day we all celebrate as the return of football. It's finally back in our lives. Summer vacation just about coming to an end. Teams hitting up training camp each day with new teams reporting to training camp. And today, our Miami Dolphins are on the field. And we're going to continue taking your questions here on the Twitter mailbag on this Thursday, July the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And this next one here comes in from Ryan Kubler. He's at Ryan underscore Kubler on Twitter. Hope I got that right. Who knows if I did. Who will have a better year, Jakeem Grant or Albert Wilson? That is a terrific question because I do have high hopes for both of these guys, but I have been kind of perpetuating this idea that Jakeem Grant has a higher upside because of his ability to win from the outside and to win against press coverage and one-on-one coverage, man coverage, I should say, on the outside. But then again, Albert Wilson's going to get plenty of opportunities as a running back, as a slot, as a jet sweep guy. I think both these guys will have functionality in this offense. But all things told, I think Jakeem Grant's ability on the outside and his 
superior vertical ability because Albert Wilson, for as fast as he is, he's not really a vertical route runner. So I think that Grant has that on him and the outside experience. So I'll go ahead and go with Jakeem Grant. Plus, he's going to be the return guy. So he adds value on that side as well. Both those guys, though, should have good seasons this year for Miami. Next question from Colin. He's at coach underscore CSI. Do you think the departure of Jim Caldwell could play a factor in a slow development of Josh Rosen? I do think it's going to play a factor because he was here for a reason. That was probably one of the 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 capital reasons why the Dolphins love the staff that Brian Flores is going to bring to Miami. Jim Caldwell has that experience. He could be his right-hand man on the sideline in-game, but also in uh, game plan preparations, and that includes the quarterbacks room with Jerry Shaplinski, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Josh Rosen. It just takes one more experienced mind out of the room, so I think that it definitely has to have a negative impact on Josh Rosen. But to end this thing with a positive spin, if Josh Rosen's going to work out, it's going to be incumbent on Josh Rosen to make it happen himself. So yeah, it'll have an impact, but if Josh Rosen is the guy, he'll prove it one way or the other. Next question here from Arturo. He's at Turo23 on Twitter. Maybe I'm being biased, but I don't believe the Dolphins will be the worst team in the NFL. Do you agree? And if so, who do you think is going to be worse in 2019? So go back to yesterday's podcast. I had the game-by-game predictions, and I said that Miami would finish 5-11 and with wins over the Ravens, over Washington, against the Jets at home, against the Giants and the Bengals. That's the way they get to 5-11. and I think they're going to be around 5th or 6th in the draft, and I would go with Tampa Bay. I would go with the New York Giants, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Oakland Raiders, and possibly the Jets as the teams that I have worse than Miami in 2019. Next question here from Dolphins Discourse. The handle is at Dolphins Disco 1 on Twitter. Of these UDFAs, which is most likely to make the 53-man roster and why? He's got Preston Williams, Shaq Calhoun, Terrell Hanks, and Jonathan Ledbetter. And of course, I had all four of these guys making my opening day roster on the roster prediction show from yesterday. But I'm going to go with Preston Williams because I think that he has the least amount of competition at the receiver position. And you could say the same thing for Shaq Calhoun on the offensive line. But I think that Preston Williams, with the ability and the Dolphins' maybe fear of losing him off the practice squad, could force them to say, you know what? Maybe Bryce Butler is more prepared today to be a better football player and give us more production in year number one. But does Bryce Butler figure into the equation long term for this team? No, probably not. Preston Williams, does he? I mean, the chances are that he does not, but it's more likely that he does than Bryce Butler does. So I think that Preston Williams gets onto the roster as the fifth receiver and they develop him and bring him along slowly this year so he can make an impact possibly in 2020, 2021, and beyond that. Dolphins Discourse also asks, my five offensive linemen that are starting by the end of training camp, Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Chris Reed, and Jesse Davis is my five-man pick. Next question here from the Optimistic Nihilist, at you, that's gross on Twitter. Those are both great names. Do you think the team will get anything from Tyler Patman, or is he just a camp body? Boy, I tell you, you guys do a great job of staying in the same area, the same area code with these questions. I think I talked about this in a one of the earlier questions, but I do think that he's one of these late signings that has a chance to make an impact because of his experience and the fact that you can put him out there and not get embarrassed. So I think that he has a chance to make the roster as one of the cornerback depth pieces. If some of these UDFAs that I'm high on and these underrated guys like uh, Cornell Armstrong or Nick Needham or Montrey Hardage, if those guys don't live up to the I guess billing, so to speak, then Patman could easily have a roster spot locked up on the back end. 
Next question here from Burcheesy at Burcheesy on Twitter. Do you watch the NFL Top 100? X and Tunzel should be on it. Any other Dolphins have a chance? Not that it really means anything, but the show is entertaining. I agree with that last part there. It's a great show to watch because those sound bites are always good and the highlights are fun to watch as well if you love football. But like you said, these rankings are so crazy and whack and skewed that I don't put stock into it. Tunzel should be on there. We'll see if he is. Xavier Howard should be on there. He, I bet you he will be, no doubt about that. If anybody else belongs on there, I would say that it's Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think it's probably too early for him to get that call. So it's probably going to be just Xavier Howard and maybe Laramie Tunzel. It really just comes down to if they interviewed guys that faced Tunzel in pass protection, like if they asked Jaleel or uh, Khalil Mack or Jadavian Clowney. Both those guys, I'm sure, would have Tunzel in their top 20, which I think is how they do it. They ask you for your top 20, and they make the list from there. Next question is Noodle Hand is from Noodle Hand Two. He's at Second Hand Noodles on Twitter. If you had to bet five hundred dollars, would you rather choose Dolphins over under season win total at four and a half, or to make the playoffs as a long shot? I think I'll go with the playoff bet because uh, none of these are good bets to me because that over-under number is right between where I think they'll be four, five, or six wins. I'd probably actually go with the over because the chances they can find some wins early in the season at home with four of those first five games at home, you get the Jets twice. I don't think very highly of them. And those two games to end the season, you could be looking at like Jeff Driscoll and Daniel Jones and maybe even someone like Jarrett Stidham in that week 17 game if you're lucky. So maybe they get a way to win two or three games there at the end of the season to give them the over. So give me the over on the four and a half wins out of all those options for the Dolphins this year. Next question here comes in from Nancy. She is at Fingal Nancy, and she did ask me for some pictures of players in half shirts. I'm sure if you look up Kiko Alonso, you can find plenty of those to kind of get you through training camp, Nancy. But her actual question is, from initial opinion, subject to change as camp continues, which position group needs the most improvement? And, you know, I don't know exactly how you're referring to this question. If you're going off of last year's performance, I'm going to say quarterback because Tannehill... That was the worst year of Tannehill's career, in my opinion. Out of all seven years he played, that was the worst we saw of him. And Brock Osweiler has always been a train wreck, and he was that. So the quarterback position in general just has to get better from last year. Now, if you're talking about what it looks like right now, I would say the offensive line, because right now you really have one true proven starter and four other guys trying to vie to make themselves into proven starters. So I'll go with the offensive line from what it looks like right now. If we're going off of last year, I'll say the quarterback position. This next question comes in from Carlos Jimenez. He's at a Puerto Rican on Twitter and it's spelled funny. Looking at past injuries on the roster, which players concern you the most on their ability to stay healthy in the upcoming season? I've talked at length about Albert Wilson's hip injury and the severity of that hip injury. I just, for a guy that moves the way that he does, I'm just concerned about it not being a bother, a, a, a bother going forward. I think Kenyon Drake could be on there as well because even back at Alabama, he was often nicked up. He had some nagging injuries last year that didn't keep him out of games. It kept him on the sidelines at times. So I do worry about him in regards to being the workhorse back. I hope he can be. So I'll go with Albert Wilson and Kenyon Drake. 
Let's do one more here and then go to our last break. This one comes from Aaron Herman at DE underscore Aaron. Who's the one big free agent signing you could go after next offseason if you were in charge or you would go after? I'm sorry. I would go after Joe Tooney, the Patriots left guard, and then I'd probably transition Michael Dieter to center. That to me would give me a strong left guard, a left tackle, left guard, center combination. And if one of the two between Davis and Reed works out, you've got four quality starting offensive linemen. And that's an area I don't mind spending money on because it's difficult to draft guys middle rounds in the NFL and develop them. I think our first round pick next year has to go after either quarterback, receiver, or at the pass rush position. So it's not going to be an offensive line. And then beyond that, you typically struggle to develop guys. So give me the proven guy that would work in this scheme because he worked up in New England. Give me Joe Tooney at left guard for Miami and next year's free agency. Okay, we're going to come back and get to the rest of these questions on the other side of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. It's training camp day, baby. The season is here. We'll do that next. Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Linkville NFL at Lockdown Fins. We got one more segment until training camp is officially here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your Thursday morning edition, part one of a double header here, pulling double duty here on your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. And we're taking your questions via, via the Twitter mailbag. And this next one comes in from El Cid Ciento 33. He's at skip underscore 1951. And I say he because 98% of our audience is male. So I do apologize for if I improperly use a pronoun. And I think you probably knew that based upon the Blue Chew ad reads we do. And Yvonne, I do apologize for those Blue Chew reads because I know that you are a female that listens to the podcast. And I really appreciate you doing that. Let's get back into it here. The question from El Cid Ciento 33. How many games does Fitzmagic start? Over, under is five. I'm going to take the under because I think that that game against Washington after the bye week is the perfect time to roll out Josh Rosen. And I know there's Dolphins fans that'll be upset about him only playing 12 games, but 12 games is plenty to get an evaluation on a quarterback. I don't think you have to throw him out there against these tough defenses like Baltimore, like New England. And I say that because they're well coached or like a really good talented defense like the Cowboys and Chargers. No need to ruin his confidence early on. Get him comfortable in the scheme, in the program, in the game day experience on the sidelines. Get him used to calling plays into or hearing the play calls into Ryan Fitzpatrick and then bust him out in that week six game after the bye week, the fifth game of the year. So give me the under for Ryan Fitzpatrick on five starts. Next one here comes in from Vinny D. He's at DeMeo Vincent on Twitter. D'Angelo Hall said no one is better than Xavier Howard right now at cornerback. Where do you rank him in the NFL? I think top three is very, very fair for him. Stephon Gilmore was damn good last year. I think he's at the top. Jalen Ramsey is still up there despite a down year last season, but I think Xavier Howard's right in that mix between those guys, guys like Darius Slayton, Chris Harris Jr. There's so many good cornerbacks in the NFL, but I think X is in the top three. And the cool part about that video was some of the stuff they did with him, putting him into the boundary of the formation. And I say boundary and field on this podcast a lot. Boundary is the short side of the field, the near side to where the balls line up on the outside hash mark. The field is the open side of the formation. Howard goes into that boundary and takes away the receiver in that boundary, and you don't have to give him much safety help because of that. That's so valuable for a defense to be able to roll help to the field side and just say, okay, X is going to be fine. We don't have to worry about him. So that was cool. A great video, a great breakdown. If you haven't seen it yet, I retweeted it. It's up on my timeline 
at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. Next one here comes in from Robert Trevette. He's at Delaware Dolphin. What are your top three to five questions you want answered for clarity on or during training camp? Number one, I want to know what they intend to do with the defensive personnel in the backfield. Is it going to be Fitzpatrick or McCain in the deep secondary? Are they going to rotate? Are they going to come down and cover? What is Rashad Jones's role on this defense? What is TJ McDonald's role on this defense? Number two would be the offensive line. What's the plan at right tackle and right guard with the, with the Reed and the Davis and the Mills possibilities out there? As for a third question, I'll just say, what's the depth going to look like behind those front three guys at the defensive line position between Wilkins, Godshaw, and Taylor? Who beyond those guys is ready to step up and give you significant snaps? So the secondary and then both lines on either side of the football. And of course, you got to throw the quarterback position in there as well between Fitzpatrick and Rosen. Next one here comes from Michael underscore Clark. He's at the Mike L. Clark. What will be the first signs that this new coaching staff is better at utilizing and developing player talent? I think this is the real key to long-term success. Absolutely, that's the correct way to phrase that, Michael. And I would say that the best indication might be that they don't necessarily use the scheme that we anticipate them to use on offense or defense because the parts might not fit just yet. As we talk about on the podcast all the time, this could be an extended evaluation season, like a spring training or an extended preseason, whatever you want to call it. It could be all about evaluating guys to see who's going to be around next year. And if they're able to adapt their scheme to fit the guys they do currently have, that to me would be very promising. We've heard so many coaches say we're going to adapt our game plan on a week-by-week basis, but so few coaches are able to do it. Is this coaching staff able to do that? And I'm talking about like where one week Devontae Parker could be the focal point, and the next week it's Jakeem Grant. Stuff like that, I want to see if they're adaptable and amenable to the personnel they have on either side of the football. We've got a few more here. This one from Zach Carey at Zach Attack 3733. Are you a golfer? I used to love golf and then my friends all got into it pretty heavily like post-college days and they take it so serious. They're up at like 6 a.m. hitting balls in the driving range, dressing in their full-on Titleist Ricky Fowler gear and they take like 14 practice shots every time they line it up. I just want to go out there and drink some beer and whack the ball around. So I'm not really anymore, but I would be if I had more like-minded golfers like myself. Next one here from Matthew Sienna at Matthew W. Sienna on Twitter is Drake's ceiling Reggie Bush of 2011. That's actually probably a really good comparison and where you want to see Kenyon Drake at that level with some consistency. I do think he might be able to be more effective as a between the tackles runner because he is more physical. He is bigger in stature. And I think he has that mentality more than Reggie Bush did. They are both dynamic in the passing game, but I think that's a great level to compare him to. And if he gets to that mark, we should feel pretty good about that going forward. Next question here from Big Humble at David O'Haver. Charles Harris over under six sacks this year. I think the safe bet is the under, and I'm going to take that because I'm all about the safe bet. I just, if he's going to figure it out, it's going to be this year because he has the opportunity to do so with the lack of depth on this position group on this team. And I think they're really going to try to see if they can get something out of him to see if he's worth being here for the long term. But at the end of the day, this system does not really value the individual pass rusher. I think there's going to be lots of guys that have three to four sacks. And I think Charles Harris probably fits right in that mold. So give me the under for Charles Harris on six sacks. 
Okay, I've got two more, and we can wrap this thing up. This next one comes from Eric Dominguez. He's at Erico9994. What non-football-related things are you most looking forward to on your trip to Miami? That's actually a really good question, and I don't have a good answer for it because, really, I'm there for business. I'm there for football. I'm a weird guy, man. Like, I don't need a nightlife and going out. Probably the thing I'm looking forward to most is the food, sitting on the beach and just getting tan and going out in the ocean and enjoying the warm weather. But also, like I said, the food, man. I, I love food. You wouldn't know it because I weigh 155 pounds, but I do love to eat. So I'm all about that South Florida cuisine because last time it was delicious. And I actually got a great sushi recommendation from a player on the Miami Dolphins that I'm excited to go try out as well down in South Florida. Okay, normally I don't allow two questions per poster, but this is a great question, again, from Robert Trevette. He's at Delaware Dolphin, and this is the last question we'll do. If you could have a one-on-one with Brian Flores, what would you ask him? I would probably want to ask him something along the lines of how is he going to define himself as an individual separate of the Bill Belichick tree because so many coaches leave New England and try to be like Bill Belichick South or East or West, like Matt Patricia in Detroit, Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame. There's so many examples of guys that have gone on to fail from the Bill Belichick tree. And I would ask him what makes him an individual because I do value the stuff that he learned in his whatever 15, 18 years with the Patriots. But I want to know why he was the right hire for the Dolphins. And just saying that I came from the Patriots tree is not enough. So what makes you the individual that could succeed here in Miami? All right, guys, that is it. That is all we have for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's all we have for the entirety of the offseason. Football season is back, and it begins today with Dolphins practice over in Davie at the training facility. I'm going to be there wearing my Washington State Cougars polo, so come find me and say hi. I will be focusing on the game, or on the practice, rather, so Try not to disturb me during practice, but maybe before and after, I'm more than happy to meet people and talk to you guys and introduce myself to y'all. I appreciate y'all so, so much for putting the time in to listen to the podcast, to follow me on Twitter, to read the website. So I want to make sure I can say thank you to as many of you as possible when I'm down there. Let's meet up, get a beer, do the whole thing, go have some dinner, and let's have some fun down at Dolphins Camp. But as for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, at least part one of today's doubleheader is in the books. And with that, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another training camp recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, everybody. Celebration time.